Welcome to the Clifford Chance podcast, where our experts discuss pressing issues and trends faced by the business world today. In this episode, we discuss the importance of advanced consent in investor state arbitration. We take you through why it's our view that the vast majority of Australian investment treaties provide advanced consent to international arbitration, and we share our thoughts on the decision in planet mining. Hi, everyone. My name is Nathan Eastwood. I'm a senior associate in the international arbitration team here in Australia. I'm Matt DeMarco, and I'm an associate in the international arbitration team, also in Australia. And I'm Amelia Hurst, a trainee in the international arbitration team in Australia. In this episode, Matt, Amelia, and I will discuss how the issue of advanced consent to investor state arbitration arises in Australian bilateral investment treaties, multilateral investment treaties, and free trade agreements, and how advanced consent to investor state arbitration has been expressed in different periods of Australian treaty practice. Matt, do you want to kick off with an explanation of what we mean by Australian bilateral investment treaties and free trade agreements? Sure. Thanks, Nate. On a high level, a free trade agreement, or FTA, is a treaty between two or more states that reduces or removes certain barriers to trade investment. Bilateral investment treaties, or BITs, are agreements between two states that include rules to promote and protect two-way investment between those countries. These investment rules provide protections and greater certainty for Australian investors overseas and foreign investors in Australia, including standards to ensure non-discrimination of the investor, the prohibition on the unlawful expropriation of investments, and the fair and equitable treatment for investment. Nate, how does a BIT or an FTA differ from a multilateral investment treaty? Thanks, Matt. Multilateral investment treaties are similar to BITs, but are agreements between more than two states. Now, Matt, advanced consent is critical for Australian investors that may wish to use Australian treaties to protect their foreign investments. What kinds of disputes could Australian investors bring under these investment treaties? Some free trade agreements Bilateral investment treaties or multilateral investment treaties provide clear access to investor state dispute settlement in the event of a dispute with the host state. By way of example, a dispute could include an Australian investor that is covered by an FTA, BIT or MIT and that develops a power generation project overseas and once in production is then subjected to measures by the host state that adversely affects its ability to sell electricity at the previously agreed price. In this example, there are several possible claims that could be made, each dependent on the relevant facts of the investment. Such claims may include for breach of the FET standard and claims for indirect expropriation. Amelia, in this example, how could an Australian investor bring a claim? Well, the Australian investor will only be able to bring a claim where the host state has consented in advance to submit itself to the jurisdiction of an international arbitration forum. In other words, a host state must have provided advanced consent to international arbitration when the relevant BIT, MIT or FTA was signed. Or sometimes this advanced consent is also found in a separate investment agreement. When the Australian investor commences arbitration, it therefore accepts the state's written offer to arbitrate and perfects the arbitration agreement contained in the investment treaty. Thanks, Amelia. That's exactly right. 
if a treaty does not contain the host state's advanced consent to international arbitration, it does not have the teeth to actually protect Australian investors. Now, we've been talking generally about an Australian investor commencing international arbitration, but now it's important to clarify the types of arbitration available in Australian investment treaties, namely ICSID arbitration, UNSA trial arbitration, and Annex A or B arbitration. Turning to the first type, ICSID stands for the International Centre for Settlement of Investment Disputes. ICSID is an international arbitration institution that was established in 1966 for dispute resolution and conciliation between international investors and states. ICSID is a part of and funded by the World Bank Group, headquartered in Washington, D.C. in the United States. A unique feature of ICSID arbitration is that it does not have a seat, which in simple terms means it is not subject to the supervisory jurisdiction of any national courts. This means once an ICSID tribunal hands down an award, the parties can only appeal pursuant to the very limited parameters to what's called an annulment committee, which is basically like an appeal tribunal within ICSID and not the domestic courts of the seat. Hey, can you explain UNSA trial arbitration for our listeners? Sure, thanks Matt. The second type of arbitration, UNSA trial arbitration, is international arbitration under the United Nations Commission on International Trade Law Rules. These rules are predominantly used for commercial arbitration. These arbitrations will have a seat, meaning that a national court will have supervisory jurisdiction over the arbitration. The third and final type found in some Australian treaties is Annex B arbitration. This type is provided for in individual treaties and is generally a set of ad hoc rules unique to the specific treaty. Now, Matt, given the importance of consent in these treaties, how has advanced consent been expressed in Australian treaties? Thanks very much, Nate. As Amelia explained, for an Australian investor to commence either ICSID, UNSA trial, or Annex A or B arbitration, there must be a standing offer to arbitrate from the host state. Now, what's interesting about Australian treaties is the way in which this advanced consent has been expressed through various time periods. Let's take our listeners through the three main time periods of Australian treaty practice. The first period began with Australia's first investment treaty, the Australia-China Free Trade Agreement in 1988. This treaty provided, if the dispute had not been settled within three months, the host state has provided advanced consent to Annex A arbitration in respect of disputes regarding amounts payable under Article 8, which relates to expropriation and nationalisation. The treaty goes on to provide advanced consent to ICSID arbitration when both Australia and China are parties to the ICSID Convention. Nate, can you explain to the audience the second period? Sure. Thanks, Matt. The second period commenced in 1991 and lasted until around 2003. Let's take the Australia-Peru BIT as an example of the type of wording included in this time. Article 13, titled Settlement of Dispute Between a Party and an Investor of the Other Party, provides advanced consent to ICSID arbitration where both parties are a party to the ICSID Convention. It provides that an investor may refer an unresolved dispute to ICSID and requires that the host state shall consent in writing to the submission of the dispute within 30 days. 
Article 13 also provides advanced consent to Annex B arbitration where both parties are not party to the ICSID Convention. That's period two. Matt, what did period three include? Thanks, Nate. From 2003 onwards, the third period of treaties emerged, which departed from the language seen in the second period of treaty making. For example, the words the state party shall consent. These most recent Australian treaties have varied advanced consent provisions. The 2019 Australia-Uruguay BIT, for example, include advanced consent to exit arbitration or unsatrial arbitration by providing that a claimant may submit a claim to either forum. In contrast, the Australia-Turkey BIT contains advanced consent but in very different terms, providing that the other party is deemed to have given its consent to ICSID for the purposes of the ICSID rules. To sum up, as Australian lawyers practising in this area, we are of the view that during each of these three periods of treaties, Australia intended to include advanced consent to international arbitration. However, there is an important ICSID case to note called Planet Mining Indonesia, which concerns a dispute commenced by an Australian investor under the Australia-Indonesia BIT. Thanks, Matt. Yes, Planet Mining is a notable case. The dispute settlement provision in the Australia-Indonesia BIT contains the shall consent language found in the second period I discussed earlier. In particular, it contains the phrase, where that action is taken by an investor of one party, the other party shall consent in writing to the submission of the dispute to the centre within 45 days of receiving such a request from an investor. In Planet, the tribunal found that in the absence of Australian material to the contrary, that there was no advanced consent to exit arbitration found in the Australia-Indonesia BIT. In finally balanced reasons, the tribunal found that the requirement for the host state to consent in writing within 45 days meant a future act of consent by the host state was required. Matt, as a practitioner in this field, what are your views on this decision? In our experience, and with our knowledge of Australian treaty-making practice since 1989, with respect, we do not accept the finding of this Planet Mining Tribunal. We are of the view that it was a very finely balanced decision that did not benefit from supplementary materials concerning the intention of Australian or Indonesian treaty negotiators. Such materials shed a very different light on the state party's intentions within the investment treaty. We also note that in Tethian and Pakistan, Tethian successfully brought a claim under the Australian-Pakistan BIT, which had similar language to that in the Australia-Indonesia BIT, namely, shall consent in X number of days. There are a number of Australian treaties that contain language similar to that in the Australia-Indonesia BIT, which may be subject to the same interpretation. Thanks, Nate and Matt. We hope you enjoyed this ISDS podcast in the Quiz a Chance Arbitration Week series. You have been listening to the Clifford Chance podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast by visiting cliffordchance.com and follow us on LinkedIn. The content of this specific podcast does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied on as such. Specific legal advice about your specific circumstances should always be sought separately before taking any action.